It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. Today, we're looking at cannabis for wellness through the eyes of a veteran who graduated out of high school and into the life of a soldier. Andy Myers is a former Marine Raider and 100% disabled veteran whose relationship with cannabis inspired an active movement to reform VA healthcare. If you or someone you know is just starting their journey of understanding the healing nature of cannabis, This podcast is for you. It's also for anyone struggling with opioid addiction, post-traumatic stress, or traumatic brain injury. Today's podcast is covered by MJ Relief, the muscle rub for what aches and pains you. The pain-relieving, skin-soothing muscle rub I co-created with Dr. Monica Villalpando is officially out in the wild and ready to enhance your everyday experience. But I gotta admit, like, it's really not new. MJ Relief is the same thoughtful PhD formulation we've batch-produced for friends and family as casually baked muscle rub for the past four years. But now, my friend, it's in a convenient tube so you can avoid messy mishaps in a hot car, overusing, and contamination from those double-dipping fingers. And bonus, it's all natural and smells like a relaxing dream. I've used MJ Relief damn near every day for four years to ease my chronic muscle tension from spending way too many hours each day on the computer. Now, I know a lot of you, you are feeling my chronic pain. And if you want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to MJSkinRelief.com and order a tube for you and another one for your favorite veteran. 
That's M-J-Skin, R-E-L-I-E-F dot com. On a recent discovery call, I told someone I'd been podcasting for almost four years. They graciously pointed out that they'd done their homework and I'm bad at math and that I've actually been podcasting for almost five years, which turns out is the longest relationship I've ever had. (laughs) And if you're as impressed as I am, share five stars with Casually Baked on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. If you've never considered the implications of war on the young men and women serving our country, I think you'll find this conversation fascinating, and you'll appreciate Andy's journey and the dots cannabis helped him connect to improve not only his life, but the lives of his fellow veterans. So smoke them if you got them, my friend, and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one smoke. We are live on the Casually Baked podcast channel with Andy Myers. He is one of the co-founders of the Hellman Valley Growers Company, as well as their head of cultivation. I'm very excited that these veterans have been approved for an observational study for cannabis for PTSD. And we're on the heels of um, a couple of episodes that we've done talking about traumatic brain injury and the research and science behind it. And our friend Andy here, he's got some stories. So Andy, uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. So your experience with sports and military injuries, I think that'd be a good place to like get this party started. Yeah, um, I grew up in South Texas. Um, You pretty much play a sport. That's just the way it was back then. So you you picked one and you did it. So I played baseball, football. Uh, Around 2001, 2002 was my senior year. Uh, 9-11 happened. Uh, We watched, I got to see the second plane hit on the TV rollers with the VCRs back we used to have the box TVs and we knew something was, was going to happen. So, uh, school didn't really happen that day. Um, I graduated 2002 and then from 2002, 2003, I kind of just figured life out, you know, <laughs> took, took that time. And then I, I, I depth in and enlisted in the Marine Corps, uh, and then had to wait because in Texas there were lines around the uh, recruiting station. So it wasn't like you can go sign up and leave tomorrow. I mean, there was three months, six months waits, depending on what you wanted to do or career choice. That's insane. So when I talked to Brian Buckley, one of your co-founders, that exact same moment was when he decided, hey, I need to step up and, and do something for my country. So I think it's amazing that you both were inspired by the same thing and then found each other and have gone on to be inspired, you know, by cannabis to create HVGC. When you enlisted in the military, you know, after getting your assignment, where did you land? So I, I landed in Camp Pendleton, California, and my my original job was a, a diesel mechanic. And I, I realized real quick that uh, that's that's not what I want to do at all. Did some time Iraq, came back, and then uh, was kind of wondering what I want to do. You know, my, my enlistment was going to come up in a couple of years and I didn't really have an, uh, uh, 
I didn't really figure out what I wanted to figure out. I mean, Marine Corps was great. It helped out a lot, you know, built, built me who, who I have become. And, uh, yeah, and pause because <laughs> you're supposed to be telling me anecdotal stories. You just like literally skipped over your entire career in the Marines. <laughs> so, Don't do that. No, 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 no. I want to know. So you were a quarterback in high school. Yeah. Uh, so you got knocked around a little bit. Did you ever have a concussion playing sports in high school? Uh, not, not clinically diagnosed. I mean, there's been times where you probably like, well, I don't feel too good. And you just didn't say anything because you didn't want to tap out. So you just dealt with it. Um, I, I never was rendered unconscious or anything like that. And, uh, just life of a backup quarterback in the state of Texas, I guess. Yeah. So then when you go to Iraq and you are a Marine, what was the first injury that you suffered or that first experience that you were like, whoa, we are not playing games here. Oh, the real injuries were in Afghanistan. Um, that's okay. that's kind of where I got banged up. So I, after that, I decided that, that being in that part of the Marine Corps wasn't for me. So I, I heard about uh, Marine Special Operations Command through uh, a friend of mine. There were a f couple of friends at Force Recon that were telling me about it and how how to go about it. So I got over to the, to the battalion, took selection, took ITC, and became a, a critical skills operator, which is now a Marine Raider, um, at the 1st Marine Raider Battalion. And I uh, operated that way. Um, Afghanistan, first first one uh, that was real bad. I, I fell off off a ladder on a wall and, and messed up my shoulder and my wrist pretty good and I hit my head pretty hard. Uh, IEDs were, were the main thing that rocked the head. Uh, not necessarily absorbing them all, but we blew them in place a lot. And we blew walls up. We blew doors up. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've breached a wall or breached in training or done been next to an explosive that probably were too close to being i mean there's standoff to net explosive weight there's a whole sops to that stuff but in combat you know I, I can't get exactly 15 meters away from the door or whatever the heck it is situation is what it is and you got to get in and continue with the mission so um those those hit a couple times i i had to take a knee because it, it just it got my bell rung <laughs> yeah. I just had to. Well, and so <laughs> I had read about blast induced head injury. And so that's what that is, right? Essentially, yes, it's the overpressure from what I understood. Yeah. I mean, you know, you my experience is watching this shit on television. <laughs> so, you know, you see the blast and you see the people like flying through the air and landing and, you know, and it's just this idea that there's so much pressure put on your brain that you suffer head injury. So after something like that happened, would you just have, you know, long headaches or what kind of symptoms would happen after that? Yeah. I mean, sometimes dizziness, headaches, uh, our, our SARC, Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corps were great. They, they knew, I mean, we had, we had some kind of rounds that uh, a Carl Gustav round, which is a shoulder fire, uh, anti-armor, anti, you know, a rocket essentially. Uh, you can only shoot that so many times where that concussion goes off next to your head before you got to kind of put that thing down and you got your bell rung. I mean, it's simple things like that, that, that not, not everyone got hit with a 150 pounder, you know, there's anti-personnel that weren't as big that we were blowing up with, with charges and stuff that we were just eating all the time. And, you know, you can shoot the Carl G too many times in a day and have to sit down because your eggs got scrambled. So, um, it's just the nature of, 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 of the business we were in and using the equipment we were using. Uh, I, I don't see it's very different than a football player taking a 30 mile an hour equivalent car accident to their body, you know, 50 times a game. It's same thing. You know, you, you get banged up. You know, I, I broke my wrist, broke my shoulder, got concussions. I tore uh, my meniscus in my knee. It's still torn, uh, aches and pains and, and 
you know, I got touching disc in my lower back and my neck. And it's just part part of the business, but it's not, you don't play war. You know, you, you got to go conduct your mission. So when did you discover that, oh shit, I have traumatic brain injury? Like when? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's, that's similarly, it was an epiphany kind of. Uh, I, I lived in my house in Oceanside with my buddy Mike or his house and I rented a room there and there was a, there was a CVS probably about 5.2 miles. Away. I, I had it all distanced out because for running reasons and stuff like that. And, uh, it was about 5.2 miles away and I got in my truck and I was driving down to the CVS and I probably got about halfway there and I'm passing through a, a neighborhood by a school and I completely forgot why I was driving, where I was going and what I was doing. And not like you step into open the kitchen door and like, well, shit, what was I supposed to get? Like I completely forgot what the, where I, why, why was I even leaving the house? Like, why am I in my truck driving around? I couldn't remember. So I pulled over into the neighborhood and I just sat there about five, 10 minutes, I'd say leaning more on the, on the ladder of the two. Uh, I finally remembered why, what I was doing. Now I didn't remember why I was going to CVS or what I was supposed to get, but I remember I was supposed to go to the store, the CVS, but I just couldn't remember my items. And I was like, shit, I went in anyways and, and, and got what I could f figure out that I needed. But that's when I sat down, I looked at kind of, kind of come to, come to Jesus moment. You look at yourself in the mirror and be like, well, something's not right. This ain't okay. And this, I probably had a year left before, before I was ready to call it quit. So I went and saw, uh, the medical and there wasn't a whole lot they could do for me because I was a short timer. I was on my way out. I declared my papers. I dropped papers. I'm not going to stay in. Um, so I mean, that, that's another story on how, how it's handled, but I hear nowadays it's way better. But, uh, I saw a private, uh, I don't know what you would call them, a company person, whomever it was came up to our medical at first Raider battalion. And I, I took a brain test where I'm looking at a screen and they put this cap on your head and you know, you're, you're doing your brain cut, you know, whatever they do. I, I don't, I'm not a doctor by any means. So, <laughs> And uh, I, I know he reached out and was like, I'm kind of worried about your brain. And by that time, I was already getting handed off to the VA. So, you know, I I went through that process with the VA and, you know, from there So on, he says, I'm worried about your brain. You still have, you know, maybe less than a year left in the military. And was there a certain protocol that they started putting you through? Did they just start prescribing you pills like what was that process like well at that time i had been on painkillers just all the injuries you know what i mean it, it wasn't uncommon um with with the head injuries no um they didn't i didn't seek guidance because another thing is too is you got to seek it too you know what i mean like closed mouths don't get fed so um it, it is a military it, it's not you know, they don't come wake you up every morning. Hey, you know, how are you doing today? You know, you got to Good morning, you, sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> you got to go express. And, and, and that that's a thing, I guess, a warrior culture topic, too, is just, you know, suck it up and move forward. That that ideal I, I see is changing with the younger generation. And I, I noticed that it's OK to say, hey, man, I, I need to get my head looked at. But it's, sometimes it's not. It all depends. I mean, it, sometimes, you know, it, it's the nature of special operations. You know, you can't be weak. Well, and I grew up on a ranch with four sisters out in the middle of West Texas. And yeah, I I was one of those kids that was hearing I had worse places on my eyeball, but I kept on blinking, like get to school. <laughs> yeah, you, I'll give you something to cry about, you know, that kind of thing. So 100%. in my own little way, I feel you. Um, <laughs> but I like to know that that things are changing because the idea of having young men in their early 20s, going through this sort of a thing, and then 
basically just being hopped up on opioids with guns in a war. I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it's yeah. The whole prescription pill answer to everything, I think, is it needs to to be reevaluated. Yeah, I mean, there was times where you you would the whole provisional incident out there, the ambient stuff, where you got guys taking an upper and coming back off a mission, taking a downer, and and literally sleepwalking in a psychosis state with you know grenades and shit around. So that's not the best thing to do. I know they worked on melatonin to get everyone trying to shifting off, and then these are these are were focused things that they were really concerned about, and the melatonin switch was a big deal too. You know, we got to get the kids off the guys off this stuff and try to get them more. And this, our medics were great. Like they were always, always trying to do the best for us, the team medics and the guys like that that were attached or with us. Um, it's you know, it, it's how, how do you how do you rewire a roller, kit, roller coaster ride? You know what I mean? It's just again, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I, I I don't know, but I found my help with cannabis. That, I mean that that was I won't beat around the bush anymore. I, I just got out and I was at a gym working out. And uh, a buddy of mine came up and he's like, hey, my, my dad was a, was a Mustang, was an enlisted guy, went an officer and retired. He was a Marine. Uh, he's like, I know he's told me stuff, you know, and I know what you guys go through. It's it's you sacrifice a lot. And uh, he gives me a, a bag of weed at three cultivars. And I remember OG Kush was one and Green Crack was another. I remember those. I don't remember what the third one was. Um, and I was like, OK, thanks. I, I didn't know, like. I, last time I had smoked weed was high school in Texas and it smelled like a tire and cause it just, <laughs> guess where it just smuggled through and, and, um, it wasn't the best stuff. So he's, he gives me this stuff and I'm looking at it's like, this shit looks like science. <laughs> like, what is this? So I have that little, that little starter pipe they give you at the old head shops, you know what I mean? And I had a lighter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm living with my buddy and, and, uh, you know, nobody in the house is, is still active at, that's in living in the house at the time. So I'm, sneaking around back like late and I'm hitting this thing around the backyard like I'm back and you know hiding it from my parents and then my buddy's like what are you doing and I was like smoking weed man and he's just like dude just smoke it like why are you fucking on the side of the house and I was like I don't know any different that's how I'm programmed and so where are you living are you in California at this time yeah I live in North County San Diego okay yeah, yeah. Um, I'm up in the Fallbrook area and my, and my solace for my four up there and just on my my little land yeah. And I, that's kind of where I learned the difference between a cultivar and the effects of a cultivar. I didn't know why. And I, I'm a why guy. Like, why, 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 why? I need to, I need to know. Um, I don't have to have an answer answer, but I like to at least start the journey of understanding the, why this cultivar is different than this cultivar. And uh, that, that kind of piqued my interest. And uh, I started wanting to grow a little bit. And right I, on. Let me pause you one second. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So you discover cannabis. Were you taking opioids at the time and then discovered cannabis from being offered this bag of goodies and you start weaning yourself off of the opioids or what was that transition like from pills to plants? So a oh, good. Thank you. Um, so my, my left wrist was reconstructed. I had to get tendon grafts and everything. And I, it was a series of three surgeries and I still was waiting for the third surgery. So I was technically, yes, I was still on Percocet at that time. I, I wasn't taking it every day or anything like that, but I was still prescribed it. And if, if I banged up my wrist or something, I, you know, I, it was throbbing bad. That's, that's what the doctor said to do. Take it and, you know, do your thing. Um, so after the last surgery, I was, you know, I was in a cast up to here. I had pins and bolts and everything in my, in my wrist, holding it together so that the tendon would take and nothing would flex and uh the graft would take and uh that's that's when i got on you know the oxy tens and 
and the heavier stuff that they put you on because it's a big surgery. And that's, yeah. that, that was tough. Um, that was my third or fourth surgery. So that that's coming off anesthesia, coming off the dope that week when you're kind of coming out of the grog is what I call it. It's miserable. It's just, you feel sick. And, uh, one morning I, 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 I was feeling better and this is where cannabis was helping. So I, I was taking edibles. Um, Smoking worked a little bit, but the edibles, I would just take a higher dose of edibles and just kind of zonk out and let my body rest and heal and eat, rest, heal, eat, rest, heal, stay hydrated, you know, get some sunlight and, and do the, the holistic way. Um, but I didn't take the pills and I, I woke up the next morning and I was shaking. I was drenched in sweat. And then so I laid on the, the, the bathroom tile floor because I was hot Then I got cold. Then I got hot. Then I got cold. Then I started getting mad. Because I'm like, why can't I not control my body temperature right now? This is retarded. I've been in ice cold water. I've been in extreme heat. I've been in there. I know how to control my mind and maintain my breathing and get through things. And I just couldn't figure it out. And then I started dry heaving. And that was just miserable. So I got this cast above the toilet like this. And I can't like hit it on anything. And I'm dry heaving. And I can't maintain my body temperature. So then I'm just getting aggravated, hitting the wall. And it's like, what the F's wrong with me, you know? And my girlfriend goes, stop eating up the sheetrock, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, um, this is called a withdrawal. And I, I'd never had withdrawals before. I'd never been, you know, I joined the military pretty much right out of high school. So I didn't have time to to not have a piss test. So um, to experience that part of life. And uh, I just, I, I looked at myself and I said, I'll never ever judge anybody that ever said that they had to beat withdrawal. You know, you don't know until you walk in someone's shoes. That's that they always say, you walk a mile in their shoes, you know something. So I've had family members that have been, you know, on on heroin and things like that most of their adult life. And I just never understood their hurt or their pain. And at that moment, I was like, well, damn, I'm a very judgmental asshole. Now I understand what it's like to walk a mile in the shoes. And I was like, never again. I opened up the cabinet, had about 17 pill bottles, dumped them all down the toilet, which, by the way, is not the best way to get rid of your prescription pills. But at the time, it was an impulse thing. So I'm not advocating getting flipper high or anything through the, through the sewage system. But um, I got rid of them that way. And then the, I, I was on a mission at that point in time. Uh, cannabis worked. How and can I... You still needed a, a, some opioid based. I mean, the nerve blocks, things like that, like the, the trauma and the, and the repair really hurt. So I think I was able to balance and cannabis helped me step down that balance to the point where a Tylenol or, or a Motrin or something like an 800 milligram Motrin would do it instead of an opioid and some cannabis. Yeah. So the cannabis helped you titrate off yeah. of all of the painkillers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then as everyone knows, or anybody who's been on a pain knows that there's more to it. There's bout, there's constipation. There's things that come with heavy pill usage that just, man, that it screws you up because that's toxic waste just sitting in there not coming out, you know, if you want to think about your body. So I, I had to know why again. And that's, that's when it, it drove me to cultivate and then not only cultivate, but go to school for, for sustainable agriculture and plant science. Mainly the plant science side is what got me. I, I love sustainability and all, but the, the science of why and how a plant works, the RNA, the DNA, and that, that fascinated me because that, that's genetics. That's the, that's the root of what this plant can do, terpene, cannabinoid-based and all that stuff. And then learning about the endocannabinoid system in our bodies, that we all have it. So we all yes. have receptors that are for THC, CBD, and the whole spectrum. That kind of just said, I don't know if I have a, a a natural receptor for a synthetic opioid, but I do know I have a natural receptor for a natural plant. So I, that just drove me even more. So I, I just kept going, kept cultivating, and, and never stopped. 
I love that. Yeah. I love that. So when you and Brian, and then who is the third co-founder of HVGC? Matt Curran. He was a former Marine Raider too. We're all, we all worked at first Marine Raider battalion together here at Camp Pendleton. And so when you started HVGC, did you simultaneously start the Battle Brothers Foundation? Were those things paired together from the beginning or did one come first? So Battle Brothers was first. That was first and foremost the first thing we wanted to do. Uh, we were working security. I was working and some of us are. I mean, it's just kind of the, the thing we do. It's what we're good at. So we work, I worked privately for about a year. And uh, so, so tell us what the Battle Brothers Foundation is and then go into that. So Battle Brothers Foundation is a, is a 501c3 nonprofit. And what we wanted to do originally with it was to help veterans transition, a three-phase transition approach, mental, financial, and then well-being with the job placement and, and economic. So what we did is we got a veteran and we would have partnerships. If the veteran needed to get clean, we had partners across the state, north, central, and, and south that were good facilities, clean facilities that you could go and just take a knee and get clean. And once you came out of that facility, we would pair you up with someone who has transitioned successfully through it. And that way it's a, a sponsor, a battle buddy. You know what I mean? Call me at 2 a.m. I don't mm -hmm. care. Just I'm here. And that kind of idea worked out well. We got a couple guys uh, and, and I know uh, in a mechanic positions, we got a couple of people in the cannabis industries, interns and, and things like that, helping them with the job placement side. But one thing I noticed dealing with the veterans uh, that were coming through us to originally, you know, I, I, I'm not experienced in running nonprofits. I just knew I need, we needed to help. So all I knew how to do is lend an ear and I can be there for you. And uh, the doctors and everything, they can do their job the correct way. Um, but what I did notice is a lot of a lot of the guys that were heavy, heavy drinkers, uh, opioids, heroin, methamphetamines, a lot of them, and I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them came and would talk to me on the side and be like, man, cannabis is really helping me with my addiction. It's helping me step down off of it and not not have to use as much. And I was... I would tell them my story with the pills and how it helped me stair-step my way off the of opioid abuse. And again, I connect the dots. You know, I don't have to be a detective. I don't have to be anything to know that these guys are giving me the honest truth. So I started organics, really uh, living soils fascinated me. So I got myself a microscope and did my research and I had some great professors. I won't name names. I won't name institutions because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I had some phenomenal professors that were supportive in our mission and supportive that it was an agriculture and supportive that we were trying to do right practices, ethical practices, and helped me along the way understanding dissecting scopes and, and looking at things, identifying, for example, identifying eggs on uh, an IPM strategy, integrated pest management, identifying good eggs, bad eggs, identifying species, you know, and then being able to treat with, with insects locally to fight and create a biodiverse ecosystem. So I'm not spraying, we're not using pesticides. And then I would take that, those cultivars that I would grow under my medical license in 215 at that time. And, uh, I would just give it to my friends that were struggling. And I, I would, a lot of these guys won't talk, you know, it, you just don't talk, you shut up, tighten up your, your pack straps yes. and you just keep going. So yep. We could talk because we chewed the same dirt. So um, I would just, I'd give them a cultivar and be like, look, man, just like a patrol logbook. Just write down, does it work? Does it not work? Sleep, eating, mental, whatever. And if it doesn't, be explicit and tell me why. I, I want to know why this didn't work. And then so I took those journal entries with my own and uh, I started growing cultivars that, that were working for them and helping them with their process through. And then... Uh, 
I haven't stopped. What since. are some of the favorite cultivars that came out of that experiment? A lot of the purples, to be honest. I ran some Bubba's that were crossed with purple. The Granddaddy Purple was a, a, a phenomenal one. And I met some guy in North County that, I mean, probably tr- double my age that had a Granddaddy Purple that was pretty cool. And I, I was honored that he thought that we we should try it because he he thought it would help. And so we worked with a couple of things like that. I had a few former football players that were just like, look, I... I'm looking for help. <laughs> and so I would just be like, try this, try that. And a lot of times like, nope, nope, nope. And then for the granddaddy purple it, it comes up because I, I gave him that and he's like, holy shit. He's like, I want all of it. <laughs> I was just like, well, let's, let's, I don't have all of it, but we'll, we'll see what we can do with what we can do. Cause I stayed within my limits as best as possible. And, uh, so yeah. you've started the battle brothers foundation, you're growing cannabis, you're sharing it with the people in your group. At what point did y'all say, um, we're going to change shit at the VA and start um, <laughs> that journey? I think it was just, it was probably around it was 16, 17, around that time frame. there. We were just like, there's something here. Um, and then we, we, we needed to know more. So Brian, he, he's the, the former captain. He, he puts the suit on the, the nice tie goes in and talks and, and he went in front of a few congressmen and women and, and asked like, okay, it, it, we let's be serious here. If I was to present something to you, what do you expect? What would you expect us to present that you would hear us on a floor? And they were just like, we need facts. We need medical, medical facts, obs- studies, observations, whatever they are. We just need U S studies done by U S doctors and that to be a journal entry and now be fact and, and medicine. Good or bad, just but a, 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 a end state with the scientific method and then reproduce. So um, we're like, okay, challenge accepted. I mean, you give three Marines of marching orders and uh, started working down that route. We linked up with Niamedic. Um, they're out of Israel. They had been doing studies with cannabis out there in, in Israel and they had the blueprint already. Um, yeah, so they're to- very progressed there in their cannabis research. Exactly. So we didn't, we didn't have to come up with a whole hell of a lot just to help add more spokes to the wheel that was already created. You know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm not trying to step on anybody's studies. I'm not trying to say we're first, we're last for anything. We just want to help. I just want to be a spoke that helps the wheel keep moving forward. And uh, we, we started touching base. Like, this is what you need to do. We need to file for a private IRB. And that's the difference between us and an academia institutional review board is we're not through anything academic or academia. We are private. We did our institutional review board, private funded with no grants from the state government or anybody. So this is this they can use Prop 64 legal cannabis in our study. They don't have to use NIDA or government cannabis or DEA or anything like that. So the veterans going through the program will be able to go to the store, get the product and use the product that are on the shelves, not that's being shipped to us from the DEA or from NIDA and, and actually get an observational study done on the cannabis being used in the industry. Um, and that, I think that's a big thing. Now, are the the cannabis cultivars that are being used in this new study that you were just approved for, are you growing those or are people going to be able to go into a dispensary and get whatever cannabis they want? Yeah, for the first round, we just want to get a baseline. So we want to see what's working, what profiles are working, and then we'll narrow it down to what formula and create a formula out of that. And then we can start producing from there. So the first step is just to understand. And the way science works, it's not, they don't let you just go hit the grand slam right off the bat. You got to get a couple singles. You got to show them that you can steal the second. And then you got to, you know, you got to show them that you're making the right progress because it is an institutional review board. They're watching you every step of the way. They have guidelines and, and ethical means to make sure your study stays, you know, where 
science, <laughs> essentially medical science. Right. So what's baseline? We're looking at what profiles work. So if, if you if you get an OG Kush, just for an example, mm-hmm. and that and you're showing that positive sleep results or positive appetite from that, and I see sixty other vets have tried an OG Kush and they're saying the same thing, then now we can start looking at that profile of OG. What's in it? What terpene profiles, okay. what cannabinoids? So then we can develop the formula because this isn't going to be a smoke. Some of the flour will be, but the actual science will be through a, probably a tincture base. You're not messing with any of the organs. I'm not hurting the lungs. I'm not hurting the liver. I'm not hurting them. I'm introducing it straight to the bloodstream through under the tongue and getting it to the proper dosing. Now, will we have mm-hmm. cannabis with those profiles for sale? Sure, yes, to help to help with the nonprofit. But the main application rate is not going to be anything inhalation. It's going to be more or less uh, a tincture. From what I understand now, and I may be speaking out of my bounds, uh, my boundaries here because I'm just not a, a doctor or a scientist, but... Um, that's what we're looking for first. So we have to establish the baseline to to appease the steps. And once we do that, then we can move forward with a formula and we can say we came up with this formula because of this baseline. And that's how okay. we can move forward. And but without the baseline, there's there's it's inconclusive. We have to come up with a controller base. Okay, so from between the time that Brian went and spoke with the congressman to y'all being approved for this observational study, how many years are between that time? I'd say three, four years. We've been working okay. on this. Yeah. And so you were just approved for this study into February, correct? Two weeks ago, yes. Okay, yeah. so when does everything kick off? So it, it is. We're, we're, we're on the roll now. Um, like, like with anything, it costs money. So that's why with Hellman Valley Growers Company, 100% of what we do, 100% of the profits of what we do goes to fund the research. So um, the better we can do retail side, the more we can donate. And we have people reaching out outside. You don't just have to be part of the cannabis industry or buy cannabis to donate. Battle Brothers is its own 501c3 nonprofit, non-associated to cannabis at all. It's just the, the action arm that we use for the medical side of the study. So anybody can donate to, to Battle Brothers um, if they want to help the cause. Um, Outstanding. And so this particular study, you're focusing on PTSD. So once we move through and we grease the wheels, so to speak, in getting some changes at the VA, is there talk of doing a study on traumatic brain injury and CTE? I would hope there would be. If someone asked me to, you know, get the wheels in motion, uh, yes, I would love to hit my head. You know, here, I'll volunteer. I think that's important. And this, this isn't just for veterans. Uh, you know, we're using the veterans as, as a stepping stone for everybody. PTS isn't just for veterans. I mean, PTS, anybody can have PTS that goes through any traumatic. I mean, rape, you know, any, I hate to say that, but you know, things like there's serious things that PTS is real and absolutely. And it's not just us, but to get the government to listen, we'll use the veteran platform. And, and say, look, this is real, and this could be something that that can be a tool in the toolbox. I'm not. We're not saying it's curing PTSD. We're trying to help the signs and symptoms, and 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 to do that, there has to be ethical studies, and it has to be done in America. Or U.S. government's just not going to listen to us. And that's from what they told us. So, um, that's that was our yeah. mission and our goal. So I, I would love to well, see they- more. The government's not listening to us anyway, but yes, we have to play their game. So let's play their game. So now let's talk a little bit more about your role in cultivation. So you noticed that cannabis was changing things for you. You went and studied the science and art of farming cannabis. So your facility, I'm assuming it's indoor 
um, based on where your location is. In a perfect world, I'd love to have living soils and, and, and just the beautiful dynamic of it all. But this, if this flower or medicine is used for a formula, it needs to be within a variable of accuracy. So it needs to, it needs to be consistent as possible. And outside is, I mean, it's raining right now in Southern you know, San Diego. It's like pouring. So it came out of nowhere. That, that would affect the end state of a product because that day of sunlight is no longer there. So if I was to run it against a control, well, now it's inconclusive because I just had a day of rain that I didn't have on the initial test. Um, so indoors, is, is it would help because we can control the parameters. And, and salts, it's chemistry. And you can make the chemistry happen over and over again pretty much within a 5% variable. So um, it works that way. Uh, in a perfect world, I'd love just to work with uh, R&D and living soils uh, indoors with maybe light tubes and uh, artificial lighting. Just cr- try to create it all. Try to create the the control, the inside, the playing God of, with the atmospherics and still get the positive product of, of a living soil. So that that's that would be my goal in the end. But for now, it's to keep it exact and science ready as possible. And so you are thinking about your cultivation from the perspective of using your your cannabis for these studies. But in the meantime, you are selling it recreationally or on the adult use market, I would prefer to say, through the Hellman Valley Growers Company. And so people in California can find the HVGC brand. Is it in Northern and Southern California now? Yes, so we're in uh, some stores in Northern California, not very much. Our main our main footprint's down here in San Diego and Orange County area. We're on Weed Maps. You can look us up or you can just check the website out, uh, hvgcompany.com or the Instagram and uh, see our locations and where we're at. I think we're around 40 stores statewide right now and looking to, to, to expand more. The more we can expand, the more we can donate. And then it's just... It's, Yes. And the thing that I love as a consumer is that in order to help you guys grow faster, you know, my favorite dispensary, I can go in and say, hey, do you carry HVGC? And they're like, no, what is that? So, you know, we all have the power to make some changes. So if you would like to support this veterans research and help, it would behoove you to just go ask your dispensary to carry HVGC. Now, are there any delivery services that are like a national, or not national, but a California delivery service that you work with? Yeah, we up in your area, there's one called Lucky Box up in uh, the Bay Area, Sacramento, uh, San Francisco, all that stuff. If, if you want a delivery service to get you something, I know Lucky Box carries it. And down here in uh, Southern California, we have a delivery service, I think, in the uh, North County area as well. Right on. So what are the next steps for you guys? You've got this study that's been approved. You know, how long will you be doing that? And then what are the next steps? Uh, we'll continue the first study. Um, this obviously needs to get fully funded. So that that's what we're, we're on now is to continue to keep that money rolling in so that the studies can keep, you know, that that's how this works. You know, you got to, people have to do the work. They need to get paid. So um, so we're living in the house while we're building it, right? Like, yeah, yes. okay, so we've started the study, but we're still raising money to continue to fund it. Oh, it, it should, it's, it's an end, never ending battle because after the first yeah. study, you have to run a second study to prove the concept. Can we do this? Can we emulate this? Can we do the exact same thing again? And are the results even the same? We don't know yet. So, um, and it, it, again, I'm not saying it could be good or bad. We don't know yet. That's what the, the analysis is for. But we do know. <laughs> so, okay. Yes. Yes. We know, Andy. <laughs> Personally, yes. We are walking examples of, of what cannabis has done for us uh, in our lives. So that's that's 
I know. We just need to let science tell us. That's so that we can take those facts at that point in time, not an opinion, and, and go and, and, and go forth and try to do good. There things. you go. Yeah. There you go. Now, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think um, is important to share about your story or HVGC or the Battle Brothers Foundation? You don't have to be part of the cannabis industry to help with Battle Brothers. If, if this is something you know you're related to a veteran, or you know you know a veteran, or your neighbor's a veteran, and you've seen you've seen you know struggles and trials and tribulations, and you want to help. Uh, holistically or, or find another way other than prescription drugs and you know battle brothers is there and again we're not just there on that side of the house but we also are working with uh to help veterans transition and get on their feet when they get out um we still do that we still need you know volunteers if you're a college intern or looking for a college internship you know reach out we're, we're looking to help you know and uh the more the more hands make light work so yes and i think i remember um, from my conversation with Brian, that it doesn't matter where you live, um, you can utilize the services of the Battle Brothers Foundation. So yes, it doesn't matter if you are in Texas or some other non-cannabis legal state, you can have phone chats, Zoom, Skype, however you connect, you can find the help you need through the Battle Brothers Foundation. So if you know veterans, share that information. After after I spoke with Brian, I picked up the phone and called two of my childhood friends who are disabled military veterans. And I'm like, have you heard of the Battle Brothers Foundation? I want you to have somebody to talk to because that is a very real thing. Like people go through this traumatic, you know, set of maybe seven years, 10 years of their life. And then they come home and they don't talk about it. They don't feel like they can talk about it. There's a lot of dark shit that you've seen. Having somebody to talk to is such a huge thing. So that in and of itself is a big deal. It is. And that's, I mean, you want to help a vet, just talk to them. You know what I mean? Just listen. Ask no. them how they are. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't that, and that doesn't just go with a vet. That's anybody nowadays. Get off your phone and just talk to somebody. <laughs> just say hi. Amen. <laughs> I tell people all the time, like, you should at least talk to one stranger a day. <laughs> it makes us better humans. It really does. And I, I do want to say thanks to uh, George and Cody Sadler here at PV. They, uh, they were the ones that, that took a chance on us. Uh, we were looking to get that we spoke on the nonprofit side and explained what we were trying to do for profit to help the nonprofit. And they gave us a chance and they were like, you know, what? we'll help you. We want to help vets. So they've been with us ever since and been a part of this and helped us throughout the ways. And, and we're part of the reason why we, we were able to grow so quickly is because they didn't let us make the same mistakes that, that they may have walked through earlier in the industry days. And uh, definitely, definitely helped out a lot. And obviously I'm using, utilizing the studio right now. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Um, so one last thing, if someone wants to participate in one of the studies that the Battle Brothers Foundation is sponsoring, do you have a place on your website where people can find out more information or throw their name in a hat? How does that work? Yes, just reach out to battlebrothersfoundation.org and uh, we have a, a landing page there with, with the email. Same thing with the HVG Company website, uh, hvgcompany.com. If you want to get a hold of us or talk to us, just email us through there and we'll get to it. Um, there's three of us, so so bear with us. We try to get to everybody, but there's only 24 hours in a day, so we try. And if you're a veteran um, and you really need to get a hold of us, obviously there are channels you can go through through the VA if it's that bad. But if not, we're, we'll try to get there. We'll get to you as soon as we can. It's not that we're hiding or ignoring. It's just there's three of us. So this is getting uh, – it's growing every day. 
and, and we're trying to grow with it. So. Well, Andy, I so appreciate your time and um, I love what you're doing and I love that you're a Texas boy and my dad will love that Aggie cup sitting on your desk. Gig him. <laughs> yes, yes. My dad played football at A&M. One of my sisters played basketball there. And, and then, of course, I lived in Austin for 11 years, so I start rooting for the University of Texas and almost got ousted out of the family. <laughs> No, they did put a fair share of ass whippings on us for over the years, but whatever. Twelfth man is strong. Hey, that's right. And <laughs> in, in sports, you're never on top the whole time. No, nope, no. Nope. Well, I like I said, appreciate your time and look forward to seeing really good things coming from HVGC and the Battle Brothers Foundation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. At some point in life, we all have this aha moment that our ultimate journey is one of service. And the happiest people that I know have found ways to turn their life experience and adversities into meaningful points of connection in the communities they serve. If Andy inspired you to join him in supporting our veterans and cannabis research, I've included links and details in the podcast 177 show notes at casuallybaked.com. You can donate to the Battle Brothers Foundation and learn more about the Hellman Valley Growers Company and the cannabis products they create. And be sure to subscribe to the Casually Baked YouTube channel if you want to watch the live stream podcast interviews. And social butterflies, come on over and find me at Casually Baked on Facebook and Instagram. While you're there, do me a solid and give at MJ Skin Relief a follow. I'm wearing a lot of hats over here, and I appreciate you doing your part to help me puff, puff, pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.